Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Bollocks with me, Howard H. Smith. Hello. Are you excited about Christmas? Are you, ooh, Christmas is coming. Are you excited? Ooh, presents. Ooh, family. Ooh, lots of too much food and yeah, all that. Well, don't worry. There's going to be a movie bollocks coming out for you over Christmas, which is going to be covering loads of um, TV shows and movies that are available to watch at the moment. And uh, hopefully myself and my guest Ed Box will be able to um, recommend stuff for you. Anyway, that's that's coming later. And a few other bits and pieces over Christmas as well. Don't worry. Going to keep you well stocked for, as it's termed, content. So, um, the intro. My name is Howard H. Smith. Yeah, singing Acid Rain. Yeah, do stand up, do this, whatever. Do the motocast, you know. Oh, I don't, I, I'm, I'm a little bit... A little bit tired today, so um, I can't even be bothered to promote myself. <laughs> uh, well, let, let's do let's do the whole Patreon thing, okay? Sign up at Patreon, um, patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. There is a link in the uh, description of the podcast. Click that, take you there, $6 a month. It's fucking worth it. Everybody who goes there loves it. Um, I realise it's not for everybody, but if you should do it, I would really appreciate it. It does help, and do you know what? You would really appreciate it. A very common thing that people sign up who, who say who sign up for Patreon is, uh, "God, I wish I'd done this ages ago." And my response is always, "Yes, me too." <laughs> so anyway, if you fancy it, pile on in. Like I said, I, I appreciate it's not for everybody, um, but if not, you know, next time you're passing iTunes, maybe uh, you know a, a five star review that'd be nice. Fuck off with anything less, yeah. Just the five stars, please. Or one and really slag me off. That'd be uh, that'd be enjoyable. Um, so, where do we go from here? Well, you know what happens next, don't you? What has been going on in the world of metal since last we spoke? Um, well, needless to say that um, one of the... <laughs> one news story that I kind of almost expected... Oh. Dave Lefson is selling a load of uh, gear that he used to play in Megadeth. What a surprise! Twelve-string uh, bass, fifteen hundred dollars. It's it's all listed. It's all there. There's a, a shed load of gear, um, and it's it's classic blabbermouth. It's not even a fucking story. You know, it's it's literally they've picked up on the fact that he's selling this, so they've basically put a picture of him what he's selling, and then, you know, they do the usual that um, Lefson was fired from Megadeth earlier this year, and then they've done, and then they do the usual fucking um, blabbermouth thing of, um, uh, that he was, in, he was in the band from its inception from 1983 to, 20, to 2002, and then again from 2010 until the latest exit. Yeah, I mean, like, anybody reading this article wouldn't already know that. In 2004, Elefson filed an $18.5 million lawsuit against Dave Mistake. Yeah, brilliant. Why not? Why not report on a story from 2004 for us, eh? Blabbermouth, you fucking cocks. Um, anyway, yeah, that wasn't very exciting. What is exciting, though, what is exciting is that um, Tom Gabriel Fisher is open to resurrecting Celtic Frost for one or two shows in memory of Martin Ayne. And I think that would be fucking awesome. And I read that story, and then not long after it, Tom Gabriel Fisher clarifies comments about Celtic Frost tribute shows, says would not be a permanent project. So already, and I really like this about him, because he's just like, 
Yeah, he he's he's been misrepresented so many times over his career and fucked over by so many labels and all the rest of it. It's never going to happen again. And if somebody even slightly misquotes him, he's straight back out there going, no, that's not what I said. He said, I've talked to the original drummer of Celtic Frost, Reed St. Mark, who lives in America. Uh, he's still one of my best friends, and we've talked about maybe doing one or two Celtic Frost tribute shows in memory of Martin. We haven't really finalised these plans, but maybe we'll do that one day, and we'll play with just ex-Celtic Frost members who were in Celtic Frost at the time, maybe play a, free, um, a full Celtic Frost set that includes all the eras of Celtic Frost, and maybe play one or two festivals, also record it as a memorial to uh, Martin Eric Ain. How cool is that? I really, really hope that comes off. I really do. I think that'd be fucking awesome. Um, and and typically different, you know. That's that's Tom Warrior. That's Celtic Frost, isn't it, really? No one else is doing that kind of thing. Anywho, on to... Um, I, I mean, I, I am going to report this. Report this. I'm going to talk about this. Basically... Um, Machine Head is getting towards the end of recording process for next album. And I'm just kind of like, that's just, uh, really? Okay, whatever. I don't know. It's one of those, oh yeah, oh, a Machine Head still together, are they? Oh, right. You know, that's that's nice for them. It's, you know, over lockdown, it's just been... It's just been Rob Flynn and the bass player um, just kind of performing songs, just the two of them. No drum machine or anything else, just the two of them. Because I tuned in one night because it said, like, oh, live stream playing. Um, uh, I'll fucking burn my eyes for the, you know, for the, for the first. And it's going to be streamed. I was like, oh, fucking hell, awesome. And it was just... Rob Flynn and the bass player, that was it. No, 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 no drum machine, no nothing. And had to start it twice, because got something wrong. And I was just like, I, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed for the people performing. I was embarrassed to watch. I was, it was just, yeah, it was just car crash bad. So anyway, yeah, there's going to be a new... Um, there's going to be a new machine and album coming out late summer 2022, apparently. It's going to have all of the dog shit fucking digital singles with the five-year-old's fucking screamy lyrics. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm calling it. I think I might be, uh, I think I might be done with Machine Head. Um, so there you go. Yeah, well, never mind. Add them to the list. It's got Red Hot Chili Peppers on there already. Stick Machine Head on there as well. Yeah, go on. I'm done. So, um, this is very cool. Talking of the very cool thing that um, Celtic Frost were doing. Um, former Death members um, honour Chuck uh, Schuldiner at first, uh, at first tribute concert in Tampa. Awesome lineups, right? You had Symbolic lineup, which is Steve DiRigo, Bobby Cabell, Kelly Conlon, Dirk uh, Verburen, Megadeth, that's right, amazing drummer, Max Phelps and Leo Lorenzo, uh, L- sorry, Lozano. Now, some of them played in death, some of them didn't. Uh, then you had Le- Living, Monstro- Living Monstrosity, which is James Murphy and Terry Butler. Um, also, um, Gus Rios and Matt Harvey, and they played uh, Spiritual Healing in its entirety. Fucking hell. 
hey, friend of the show, James Murphy. God, look, I would love to have seen that. Absolutely love to have seen that. But it's really, really cool um, that all these years later, people getting together and um, and doing that kind of tribute, I just think is, you know, absolute class. And um, and speaks, and sort of somewhat speaks to what the kind of guy Chuck was. Um, these people still playing his music all these years later and, you know, um, doing charity shows and stuff like that. It's just very, very cool. Very cool. Um, next up, we have um, Corey Taylor. Yes, that's right. Uh, Corey Taylor. Talking about, um, well, talking about his, his masks and uh, over the years. I mean, the, the, the one for the last album made me fucking howl. I just thought it was funny. It just looks like Augustus Gloop um, from... Um, uh, well, you know, you know fucking where from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but it, yeah, he said because uh, the last one was it was cool, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. Thank God for that. It was fucking terrible. So this time around, I started early. I actually started designing this before the end of We Are Not Your Kind cycle, just to make sure I was ahead of the game and making sure I um I could dial in all the details and whatnot. And I actually did it with a young man named Connor Deluce, who's super cool, and he flew out. I walked him through everything that I wanted to have on it. He was able to mock something up really quick, man. And we really got to the essence of what I was trying to configure. Yeah, yeah. It's just a fucking mask, mate. Steady on. We've all got masks now. You know, it's no, it's no, um, it's no big thing anymore. But, um, it'll be interesting to see. But I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I was playing some, some early Slipknot the other day. Liberate, um, sick. Um, disaster piece, that early Slipknot stuff. And it just made me think, do you know what? That band that are currently putting albums out under the name Slipknot are as far away from the band that I fell in love with as could possibly be, really. You listen to that early stuff and it is just fucking properly brutal. It really is, like, out there. Those first two albums are just head and shoulders standalone. Um, and what you have now is is kind of Slipknot light, you know. I mean, a big interview about masks. And I mean, to be fair, I'm the one that sat here and started reading it to you. But I mean, who gives a fuck? Hey, if the music is just fucking cookie, cookie cutter, bloody Slipknot, you know. Big chorus, thrashy part, or midsection, or chuggy little rap. Um, you know, it's just going to be like, really, again? And I'm, you know, Chapel Town Rag, the new song. It's all right. Yeah, it's just, sounds a bit like a band that sounds, sounds a bit like a band that's trying to sound like Slipknot, to be honest. In fact, you know what? Fuck it. I mean, I'm a bit of a downer today, aren't they? Yeah? Machine Head's out. Red Hot Chili Peppers out. I wouldn't say Slipknot is uh, on my out list, but they they're definitely working their way towards it. Um, I mean, you know, I I totally get it that they they they're trying to stay interested. You know, trying to do different stuff to stay stay interested and and keep making it fun and challenging. But the last album, I just thought was yeah few good tracks on it and to be honest i've thought that about the last few so yeah i'm just i don't know i'm just kind of i don't know not done with them 
But uh, certainly live, I'm uh, I'm done. Seen them plenty of times, including the first ever show in the uh, uh, in the UK, which I have to mention. But it's worth mentioning that back then they used to throw bottles of piss at each other. They used to fucking set fire to each other. You, they used to have fights on stage, and they did. By the way, um, I was at one gig where one member did set fire to the other one. Um, and this did genuinely happen, and they did have fights, and they and they were properly fucking mental, and you know I kind of miss that. I do accept that you could, you know that is not a long term philosophy as a band, because you know, but yeah, it's just they're just not who they used to be, and it's just kind of you know the the um what's the word. That that has just kind of slipped into my mind. Slipped, get it? That do you know what? It's it's not it's not Slipknot anymore. You know? Okay, let's pick this motherfucker up, shall we? Um, what else is going on? Um, not a great deal to be honest. Um, apart from, and I wanted to flag this up that um, there is a ex Trouble singer Eric Wagner first single maybe tomorrow from posthumous solo album now available. And that song, maybe tomorrow, the the lyrics to it are quite haunting, given that, I mean, he always had a haunting, amazing voice. But given that he's now passed away, the, the lyrics are just, yeah, just really, really apt. And it's just a reminder, a, a, a sad reminder that um, one of the great voices in metal, massively underestimated, hugely overlooked, um... The album that's coming out next year in March is called "In the Lonely Night of uh, In the Lonely Light of Morning," um, morning spelled M O U R, um, and yeah, just uh, really sad. I will put a link in the description of the podcast as to um, where you know where you can go and uh, watch the video um, because it's cool. It's a cool song, and like I said, it's haunting and. Yeah, the guy deserves some exposure, even if it is, unfortunately, after his passing. So, we have got a cracking interview. I say we, it's me, isn't it? I have got a cracking interview for you now. Now, um, have left the uh, Patreon questions in again um, because they're incredibly relevant and it leads to a really, really cool interview. Again, if you want to be a person asking, if you want to have your questions asked, then you need to sign up at Patreon, as mentioned previously. Um, so myself and Gary uh, Holt from Exodus, we toured together way back in 1989 um, on the Fabulous Disaster Tour, and we kind of, you know, bumped into each other over the years. Uh, it's been a while since we've seen each other. We had a little brief catch up before the start of all of this, uh, before the start of the interview, etc. And it was just really, really cool um, to chat to my mate Gary again. So. Without further delay, here we are having a chat not long ago. God, yeah, it's been a minute ever since, like, do you know, the last time I saw you, um, we, we walked past each other on the stairs in the forum when you were, when you were on the Bay Area Strikes Back tour and you were, and you were I- icing one of your elbows. Yeah. And, uh, and that's like, wow, so much has happened since then. I know. <laughs> Like bags of ice and shit to like deal with the swellings and and ligament and tendon damage, you know. Oh. Uh, but I'm as far as elbows, I'm doing much better now. You know, I went through a lot of therapy yeah. this year to like 
overcome it. You know, they're completely shredded. Oh, years man. of repetitive in repetitive stress injuries, you know, and right. years of cortisone injections to like mask the pain. And, oh, you know, it's people like, say, how many you had? And I'm like, I don't know. Shit, so many. I, I mean, those, and those things fucking hurt. They hurt like hell. Yeah. But, you know, when they when they would work, I'd get like six months of like pain free guitar playing. But the damage is still being done, you know, and because yeah. I'm not in pain, I'm like putting more stress on them. And yeah, I finally got some MRIs done in my they were like the results were bad, especially my left. They like, you know, it sounded like I needed like reconstructive surgery, you know. Yes. But I have a friend who's like a team doctor, hand doctor for the San Francisco Giants, your baseball team. And uh, his elbow person said, no, nah, he can avoid surgery. He just needs like extensive physical therapy. So, wow. You know, a lot of like sitting there with like two pound barbells, you know, <laughs> like that, you know, little Shit. pink ones, you know, like my wife would use. Like, for <laughs> working out, and I'm sitting there like, oh, God, I hope no one sees this. <laughs> but, you know, but it worked. But, you know, I'll never be 100 percent, you know, but um it's about manageable at this point. Yeah. It's, and, and, but that's, that's the danger with, uh, with any kind of pain meds, isn't it? It's, it masks the yeah. pain, but the damage is, is still being. Yeah. Done. You're still doing the very same things that caused the pain in the first place. You're just not feeling it anymore. It'd be yeah. like, imagine if uh, you could take a pill that masks your entire feeling for fire, <laughs> you know, and it doesn't hurt, yeah, but you, yeah, stick, yeah. you put your hand in the, over the burner on your stove, it's still sizzling and burning up. You just don't feel it. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I was I was warned off um, a particular kind of um, throat lozenges way back in the day. The doctor said, look, don't take those and then go out and sing, because what they do is they just numb your throat. So you're going to yeah. you're going to wreck it. Damage in the vocal cords. Yeah. Yeah. You're just going to wreck it and not know. And then, you know, all of a sudden <laughs> things will go very wrong. Exactly. Uh, but uh, I, I, and of, of course, well, how main first question, how's Tom? Tom's doing great. I mean, we just uh, a little bit over a month ago, we played our first show back together and it was like so awesome. It was almost spiritual, you know? Yeah. And uh, we just did a video shoot uh, over the weekend for the new record. And, you know, that requires you to sit there and like at least (laughs) at least like pretend like you're playing, but it's still playing, you know, like, yeah, because, you know, you can't just like pantomime the hits. And, you know, he did that for like, you know, several hours straight he's doing great it's amazing and and i mean i've i've seen you say it elsewhere but i i've got to say it as well um i got you know i got the album about a week ago label sent it to me and it's like wow tom's performance is just it's insane insane. i'm I'm listening to it and i'm thinking this sounds like this sounds like 24 year old tom yeah right i mean he really stepped up and delivered you know and it you know, he didn't know he had cancer while we were doing the album, but he knew he had unexplained weight loss, you know, like, you know, Tom would say, you know, I'm eating normally the same way I do. And I just, I'm losing weight. And, and, you know, he lives in the mountains and, you know, your mountain top doctor isn't quite the place to get diagnosed for that kind of stuff. You know, it's yeah, where you go yeah. for, for your basic, not hard to diagnose sick illnesses and injuries, you know? Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's incredible when you think what he, he had growing in his stomach, you know, while he was doing this record, because he destroys it. 
Yeah, I mean, I it's like I said, it's 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 kind of inspiring. I mean, I'm I'm a fucking singer, and I, I find no, it's inspiring. inspiring to me for sure. I'm, yeah. I'm wildly inspired by Tom Honey, and you know, I always have been. You know, he's like my partner in crime since I was 17 years old. But uh, you know, seeing what he did and what he's done to get through this, and I'm you know, when I thought I'd have to have surgery to reattach some tendons in my left elbow i was terrified you know i've never been under the knife and he went under the fucking knife you know they removed yeah. the whole stomach you know and he faced it with fucking great aplomb you know um he's a pretty pretty ins- inspirational guy it's it, and it's it's incredible but you've it's i'm kind of i'm kind of really interested to see what the next exodus tour bus is going to be like because you've got tom who's got a who's going to have a complete diet change you've stopped drinking it's um you know it's going to be like a kind of health food bus isn't it yeah well tom can eat the, pretty much everything he always ate but he has to eat in multiple meals smaller intervals you know because he doesn't right. he can't like eat sit down and eat some cowboy ribeye you know where they put your name on the wall if you finish it you know yeah he doesn't yeah. have the space for it you know but um over time you know it'll expand and it'll be more like you know a traditional size stomach you know closer yeah. to it but you know yeah and you know like as he says he's a cheap date because you know he'll have a glass of wine but it's kind of gets absorbed immediately right you know so you know yeah. he can't sit there and like do a shot of jaeger while he's you know drinking a you know fistful of beers because you know it's going to hit him immediately i mean he'd be down immediately <laughs> asleep but yeah, yeah i mean it's, it's kind of like um you know we have lee and the crew and they drink and uh jack doesn't drink neither does steve myself and tom barely does you know i mean a glass of white wine with dinner that's about it yeah yeah and and well your your story did you did you cut did you cut back or did you just go right fuck it that's it i i said fuck it that's it um you know i'm just a, like a like millions of people worldwide as a victim of the pandemic you know um <laughs> you know on tour i always maintained and never like hit the hangover stage maybe once in a five-week tour i'll wake up with a little bit of a headache you know and that's like one night when we decided to have disco party and start cranking some funk music and like drink a few extra beers yeah. but then i'd come home and i just i'd only drink when i was like watching some sports or having some people over a couple of beers i go out to show have like two beers yeah and then i found myself with nothing but idle time you know i live kind of in the woods now and i'd sit outside it's beautiful it's summer i'm surrounded by oak trees and i just start drinking you know right you know drinking like you know 12 13 beers and i was drinking these like double triple ipas 10 11 percent alcohol you know yeah you know because i was always a beer snob you know like (laughs) you know get out my proper glass for whatever beer i was drinking you know yeah and um it just got to the point where I was getting depressed when I got drunk, you know? Um, yeah. I wasn't happy anymore, you know, cause I mean, my whole livelihood had been taken away from me. Yeah. I'm feeling the same stress and strain as everybody else, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, I figured, man, I quit smoking. I quit drink doing drugs years ago, you know, like almost 20 years ago, you know, I, I could live without the alcohol. It's not a no big deal. I mean, I still drink non-alcohol beers and there's some really good ones out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I do you know, it's the taste of beer that I would miss. I don't miss the buzz, you know. And it also has a strong placebo effect. 
Well, but also, I think I think when you stop when you stop drinking for a, a period of time, you, you discover loads of things about your body as well. It's like you know, I I, I quit drinking um for like six nine months, whatever, a couple of years ago, and and I, I what I found was like I could just eat anything I wanted and not put on weight because it's like that that alcohol yeah. those alcohol calories can't yeah, be digested. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when you're drinking 13 beers, that's like, you know, several like Big Macs a day, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but I mean, I, I lost weight without doing anything different. Yeah. You know, skin cleared up, you know, and I've always considered myself lucky to like, I'm a pretty well-aged 57-year-old, you know, I, I don't look like my age. Yeah. I've, I've aged well can i always said it's all the preservatives from all the chemicals I used to do, you know? i'm like a i'm like a fucking twinkie you know <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 my wife calls me a freak of nature i got no gray hair on my head you know like you know i get i get it in my beard but like yeah you know, just but you know time to take care of myself you know and get healthier you know because i all around me i've got people dropping you know yeah I just yeah, found yeah. out this weekend one of my best friends from high school had a heart attack in his sleep you know i don't even yeah. think he smoked you know just crazy shit yeah and you know well we, we're getting to that age you know we're getting yeah. to that age i mean a, a, a few months ago we lost um we lost ian um our uh our bass player our original yeah. original bass player yeah um Sucks. and and that's uh, yeah it's it's kind of like like you you know I went to school with a guy and it's like it just it's it took me it took me weeks to get my head around it yeah I mean exactly and with Tom's cancer battle it really like casts a, a bright light on your own uh, mortality you know yeah yeah yeah. You know, I, I don't feel indestructible anymore <laughs> yeah when I was young I felt like nothing could kill me and I'm you know, I'm bulletproof, you know, and uh, now I don't, you know, and it, it's scary, you know, like, I, you know, out of all my like lifelong friends, I'm talking from kindergarten up, you know, I have, you know, a couple left and one I'm in contact with all the time. And, and it's always like, did you hear this guy died or this guy died? You know, one of our childhood friends and like, fuck, man, you know, I've reached out to him on Saturday, you know, when I got the news of another one of our old friends and, uh, it's just crazy. It's yeah. Crazy, you know? Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I'm going to do whatever I can to, to prolong this ride I'm on. You know, I'm not ready to get off. You know, I've got children and grandchildren. I'd like to have great grandchildren someday. You know? I, and, I, and yeah, I, ultimately, it's, it's about staying productive as well, isn't it? And just like, you know, do, doing what you do, doing what you make, doing what makes you happy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, and it keeps me young. I mean, I think if, if yeah, I had to no, no. do something different with my life, it'd probably age me rapidly. But I mean, as far as like, you know, my body feels old as fuck most every single day. All, I'm dealing with arthritis, you know, my, my hands are super stiff. My knees are really shitty. My ankles are not good. My back is a disaster, but my neck is good. <laughs> and that's what really matters is I could still whip that thing around, you know, and I, I know a lot of people who've had neck surgery and shit, you know, like, yeah. and, uh, you know, as long as that one still works and long as the fingers could still get around, even though they, you know, get pretty stiff uh, on some days, you know, I'm happy, you know, well, I'll take, I'll pick my battles, you know, I'm like a car yeah. with a good engine and all the suspension is shitty, you know, and the tires are bald. 
<laughs> don't go out in the rain. Yeah, don't go out in the rain. Not <laughs> yeah. the bumps, you know, just, you know, and ruts and potholes, you know. But the yeah. engine starts every time, so that's the important part, you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, and and I think being in a band keeps you young as well, you know. Hanging hanging out with guys playing music and just you know once when you know when you get together, you're all still kids again. Yeah, exactly. You know, we still laugh when someone farts and, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. we still have the mentality of like 15 year olds and, and we still absolutely enjoy each other's company. You know, a lot of bands been around this long. They don't do that. And like when we're out on a day off, we're all going out to dinner. We're all like, what's everybody doing? Let's, let's go get a steak or something, you know, and, and uh, we're just laughing the whole time and uh, we enjoy it. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and and I have to say, man, your um your performance on the new album, wow, that's like it. That sounds like that sounds like Gary Holt saying, "Do you know what? I'm going to lay down some solos to that are going to be definitive Gary Holt solos because the the lead your lead work on the album is just it's phenomenal." Uh, you know, I tried, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, like, you know, to me, it's always about the riff anyway, you know, the solos is just like, that's this like candy sprinkles on top of an ice cream cone, you know, um, yeah. like if I had to give one up, obviously solos are gone, you know, there's a million gr- better lead guitar players than me, but I worked really hard on it. You know, the process of recording this album, you know, up in the mountains in our own studio, you know, we we're able to like work without any like, uh, hourglass and watching the sands tick away you know um yeah and uh you know we went in we're extremely excited and extremely hungry and um you know and we're not faking this shit you know we we do it you know we're not like throwing a fast song on because you know the 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 laws of metal averages say we have to you know we like going fast you know we still enjoy it you know yeah yeah, and it's and you're right. It's yeah, it's all about the solo. I mean, sorry, it's it is all about the riffs, but it's also about the it's also about the songwriting and the song craft. And I just think that for me, one of the one of the beautiful things about getting older, as we were saying earlier, like physically, but from a songwriting point of view, it's like you know, if you if you don't get better as you get older, there's something fucking wrong. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I've always said that we learn from our mistakes and to to call any songs mistakes is kind of like the maybe the wrong choice of words, but you just kind of learn a little bit, you know, like, you know, um, everybody knows that I have a a tendency to like, you know, I'm going to let I'm going to follow the song where it goes, whether it's 10 minutes or 11 minutes, you know, and on this album, you know, we didn't intentionally try to make anything shorter. It's just, uh, Tom and I were bashing out the songs and, and um, when the song was done, it was done. And a lot of them on this album are shorter. Uh, you know, we just, um, it wasn't until the album was done. I realized that hardly any of the songs start off with just your big guitar riff and bunch of breaks, you know, bump, bump, bump. And, yeah. and then the riff drums kick in and then you go eight times and then another break, and you know, like half the songs, it's like one, two, three, go. And we're just in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, but there's also, um, there's also kind of like, you know, there's, there's dynamics there. It's not just like beating you over the head all the time. You know, there's, there's, there's clearly, um, there's different moods that, you know, lyrically, uh, there's like so many topics covered in that. 
Yeah, um, I mean, dynamics have always been super important to Exodus's music, you know. Yeah. I want everything to have what I have always called that flash pot moment, you know, even though we don't have flash pots. You know, that <laughs> dynamics boom, where just you'd expect for the explosion to happen if we were ACDC and we had cannons on stage, <laughs> you know, or shit like that, you know. Yeah. And yeah. that's dynamics, you know, that, you know, you don't want the song to be a flat line. You want it to like, you know, have peaks and valleys and explosives stops and things like that yeah absolutely and that, and but also that that kind of um for me there's uh, you know the for me one of the standout tracks is the is the is the track that you've got um well lunatic liar with uh, uh, with rick doing a solo on it as well um that's that's phenomenal absolutely phenomenal and i would I'd seriously put that in one of the put that up there as one of one of the best songs I think you you guys have ever done. Uh, I think it's amazing. You know, that song was a, that was the one song on the album that was a lot of work. It was hard just the recording of it. It had Tom, myself, and Steve Lagudi, our engineer, sitting there like, you know, in a productive way, butting heads, trying to figure out where like like uh, something went wrong like while we were like tracking it and i was like no 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 we, you know like um because something wasn't lining up right you know from when i did the scratch track and when we tracked it and like we ended up figuring out but that one you know was in that one song that every album has where it's like you know you you're like kind of like getting tense a little bit and trying to like get to that finish line on it yeah. but the end result is like it's a monster yeah, it's an it's it is an absolute monster. But also, it's like that. It's it's just such a, it's such a cool little intro as well. I mean, obviously, you've got like Costa Del just before it, which is like you know you doing some beautiful noodling, I might add. Um, but when the tune when the tune actually begins, that is that is that is still that's pure that's pure Gary Holt there, right right at the beginning. It's it's like you know. It sounds like it just sounds like you're having a lot of fun on that song. It really does. Oh, it's all fun. You know, I, I love what we do, you know, as a band. It's still fun. Uh, you know, the whole process of getting guitar tone in the studio is still one of my favorite things on the planet. You know, when you're there, like, you know, like, and you're just sitting there, like, your tone is glorious thing to behold and you go, 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 you know, just yes, you get yeah. excited, you're fired up, you know, and, yeah. um, and I still, I still get all, all shit eating grins, you know, when, when I, when I accomplish the tone I want, you know? So, so it's not just rock up with you with a, with a Kemper profile on a USB and go, right, let's go. No, we did that on, te- on blood in blood out, you know, cause we didn't have the space to like mic stuff up and you know, I have a really good profile, but, and it, you know, it, it's profile of my modded Marshall anyway. Um, but it takes that joy out of that journey to getting there before you ever start doing guitars. And, um, and you know, cause you're super excited when you start tracking after you've spent like, you know, the time to get there and you're really happy with what you have rather than just plug it in and like, all right, let's go. Yeah. That's a, um, I definitely missed that on the last album. It's the only album I've ever done that way. And I'll never go away from the amps. Although I love my Kempers, you know, they're an awesome tool, you know, something about amp microphone speaker that it's just equals magic. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, it's like, look, I listen to a lot of music on my phone digital, but I've, I, I still play vinyl. Yeah. You know, I mean, like- I don't like listening to music with headphones, you know, fuck headphones. I want speakers, you know? 
You know, I want to find that spot in my living room where it sounds really good on the couch where you're just, the low end is just soaking into the cushions, you know, and I'm just going <laughs> to crank it up and sit there, you know, headphones yeah. and metal don't go together for me. Uh, but also cranking it in the car. That's a big test. Yeah. That's big yeah. Test that's where I listen to all the mixes is in my car. Yes. I don't put it in headphones. I'll sit there and Andy would send me mixes and we mix this album like 20 fucking times. And, um, <laughs> And I'll burn it to disc still. Yeah. You know? yeah. I don't want to bother syncing my phone and, and transfer it over. That's too much. I just throw a disc in, boom, I get in the car and I drive around and listen to it and I crank it. And I know how it's supposed to sound in my car. Cause that's where I listen to all my music. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm, I'm exactly the same that, that whole burning it to disc and putting it and putting it in the car. Um, yeah, because I want to see what it's. I want to see what it's going to sound like on a CD. I don't want to see what it's going to sound like if I if I connect my car up via the Bluetooth. It's like yeah, I, exactly. I really want to feel it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just lazy and old school, I guess. <laughs> old, <laughs> you know. I'm that guy who like owns. Ton- I own a million CDs, and I mean, I guess it's good for the artist whose disc it is. But you know, I'll buy a disc I already own just because like, I want it now and like I'll put it into iTunes rather than go get it out of the box of CDs, put it and rip it into my laptop, then hook my phone up. Yeah. 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 And sync it to iTunes. It's like, ah, it's nine bucks, you know, just buy it. <laughs> Help, helping out my fellow artists, you know, it's, it's, it's good to know someone is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I do yeah. it all the time. I do it when I shouldn't, you know, come on, I've already bought the CD. I don't yeah. have to buy it twice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, um, it must have been really cool having um, having Rick around as well, throwing a solo down on the um, uh, on, on the tune. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, he came up to the mountains and uh, we hung out, and it was just laughs all the way through. And you know, it's always good to have Rick around. He's he's fucking so excitable still. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm still <laughs> I still remember seeing I still remember seeing him do uh, do a jump on stage, um, and thinking like. I, I I don't know how he did that. You know, it was like, it was just, it was just fucking weird. It's like, he pulled yeah, some, I mean, he used to pull moves the, off, man. He'd get up on the riser and jump over my head. You know, um, you know, we used to be a little more athletic on stage. I mean, all that airborne activities and coupled with youth of skateboards and BMX, the reason my knees don't work, you know, like I literally like can't jump off a curb. It'll fucking hurt. You know, like my knees on a bad day, like they can't take any impact anymore. Um, but yeah, when we're young, we used to jump off everything and Rick, no one jumped higher or off higher shit than Rick did, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But you know, like I said earlier, you know, the, the album, the album just like like I said it's, it sounds it sounds like um it sounds like a it sounds like a bunch of young guys it really does you know it it, it, it sounds passionate and I, and I think that's like that's that's something that's really hard to communicate um especially with modern metal production techniques um, yeah I think so I mean on this album I think we cut captured a perfect blend of you know modern production while still sounding like nasty you know yeah and um you know the passion is there because the band still has a passion for doing this like i said when we go fast it's not because it's expected of us it's yeah. because we want to go fast you know we yeah. want to like blast everybody fucking off to the side of the road you know and just in a wake of fucking smoke and d- dust you know 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, and you can tell you can tell Zets had more time, kind of more time to prepare for. for yeah, this well, album. he was up in the mountains with us, you know, and we had multiple studios set up. You know, we had you know a demo studio, we had the actual tracking studio, and then we had a home studio at the rental house where we could work on vocals patterns and stuff and and so you know he was able to like really put his stamp on it and be comfortable with the stuff yeah yeah absolutely absolutely because there's there's time there's times like on some songs where i'm like wow i have i've never heard him sound like that before yeah he's pulled out a couple of new tricks you know um i would suggest like you know give me like a death metal vocal and he'd say well i'd can't do that i'm not a death metal singer i said yeah but try it and we'll come to some new thing that you're doing and it sounds like you not you know we never would expect you to sound like george fisher you know i mean that's a skill that requires years of expertise to to uh, to accomplish you know but when you try it and you get comfortable with it you create something new that's your own you know with some influence from that but not sounding like, you know, you're blatantly trying to sound like the new singer from Morbid Angel or something, you know? Um, yeah. But that, or, but, you, know, uh, you know, and it really worked. It really worked. And it added a couple of new tricks and, and he threw down some serious, su- supremely awesome vocals. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what you were saying there, what you said there that, that, that I pick up on is that, exactly the phrase you use which is like getting comfortable with it you know yeah nothing, i mean it, it, there's nothing worse being a vocalist in a studio and somebody saying well try it like this so you try it like that and say yeah we'll do it like that and you're like hang on i've done that fucking once yeah you know, you, well, i don't even with? don't even know the song yet yes and yeah, exactly quoting lines and phrases and you're trying to match what they're telling you to do and uh in the end you're just trying to get it to where you're not read it doesn't sound like you're reading it off a piece of paper you know and uh yeah you know getting it to where you're really comfortable with it that's key and you know the last album he was he did a great job but he was also like kind of thrown into the fire but yeah. he's always been really good at like grasping things quickly but this time when we we got him comfortable to the point where we could try different things outside the the already established uh you know vocal line that he had down and knew well you know yeah yeah and and lyrically is that are you all pitching in there is it is it mostly you is is mostly me but you know um, tom hunting wrote you know the years of death and dying you know based on a a poem he was working on about you know just all the loss that we've all experienced so people close to us and just heroes you know and uh zetro wrote a couple and um and I wrote the rest and it just, it's kind of the soundtrack to the world taking a giant shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, in the background at all times while working on the album was just this, the fucking COVID and riots and protests and beatings and death and anger and division, you know, yeah. and it just all kind of le- bled onto the record. Yeah. Cause it's, it's like you recorded it. You recorded it at the end of last year. Um, we started rehearsals for the album Tom and I last July, I think, and right. um, worked all the way through. I think to around the end of October. Right. Yeah, and and when it's your own studio, like you say, yeah, you you've 
you're not on the clock. It's not it's not like there's a fucking meter in the corner of the studio because there's no exactly. there's no worse feeling, is there? It's just like click, yeah. click, click. Especially if you're trying yeah. to get if you're trying to get something and you can't quite nail it. If you're me in the back of your mind, yeah. you're just you're just thinking like this is costing exactly. money. I mean, you know, I've never been a guy who wants to stay in the studio forever because, you know, when I read about some band working on an album for like 12 months, you know, like, how can you do it? You know? Yeah. No way. Fuck that. I'd be like, get me the fuck out of here. And I love being in the studio. It's just, you're going to lose the spontaneity. You're going to lose excitement. Now you're just overanalyzing it. Same with bands who go, yeah, we went in the studio. We have 60 songs for them. No, you don't. Oh, fucking overwriting. Fuck off. You do not have 60 songs. <laughs> yes, you have yes. 10 songs and you have 50 ideas. ideas. Yes. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You can't write this kind of music and go in and have 60 worthwhile songs, you know, out of yeah. the 50 that aren't songs, the 50 ideas, there's probably 20 decent riffs on it. You know, it's like, yeah, I, I've always been a believer. Just we go in, we have the songs we're going to use and we yeah. work on them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've only ever recorded an album in our lives where we had like one or one extra song, two extra songs, you know, I yeah. just, I'm going to work on what I feel as the, the stuff we're, we're working on, you know. I, um, well, it, it's got, surely it's got to be quality over quantity, surely. Yeah, it's just fuck, you know, how do I go in the studio like, a, you know, um, Let's uh let's work on the drums on song, you know, 37. <laughs> what song is that? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? yeah. I don't yeah. remember that one. Oh, let's go and st- let's sit around for an hour and listen to it so I can even remember the goddamn parts, you know, like that's, yeah. that's just not- crazy. I mean, it works for some people, I guess, but I would, you know, I'm I'm super OCD when it comes to riffs. Uh I'll ignore really, really genuinely great stuff that ends up on the album and ends up favorites because I'm concentrating on something I wrote yesterday. You know, like, oh, no, I got this thing here. And on this album, it's no different. Some of my favorite songs were like the last to, to be completed because, and they were some of the first to be written, you know, like Prescribing Horror. I had that whole song demoed in GarageBand. That was like the oldest song on the album and I almost ignored it completely. And then Tom said, let's revisit that. And we played with the arrangement a little. And uh, we even kept some of the tracks from my demo. You know, the the little melody part in the middle and the clean guitars were all saved. We didn't feel the need to re-record them. But that's I, me, like, not looking back far. You know, and I'm talking yeah. not looking back into 60 songs. I'm talking about a couple back. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's, yeah. Sometimes though, as well, you you do nail stuff on a demo that you can't, you can't recreate on, yeah. on an album. It's like exactly, and like like the melody section of that song, for instance, I played around with all these like weird harmonies that almost shouldn't work, but they did, and it's very haunting. And you know, and played around with the little plugins and found these really cool effects that I dicked around on forever. You know, and like. And when we listen to it, it's like, you know, if I re-record it, it's never going to sound that cool. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. We're just like, let's just import those. And and the clean, you know, there's even one slight missed note on the intro to it. But, you know, it was just like it just had a vibe, you know, just didn't want to play with it. Well, yeah, as you were saying earlier about being old school, for, for me, yeah, it's one note, big deal. It's about the vibe. It's about the vibe yeah. of the whole yeah. piece. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, 
and putting those you know putting putting those songs together from from a demo it's funny that you should mention that particular song because when i when i first heard it i was thinking hmm i wonder if any of this was 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 kind of meant for slayer at all no i never wrote a single lick riff for slayer ever not one you know Right. Um, I knew going into Repentless that, you know, Carrie was, you know, writing the album and I never wrote anything and said, here, this is that, that's the, you know, here you go. I was writing Blood In, Blood Out at the time, you know, those albums were re- released quite close to each other. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, and so, you know, I was still working Exodus the whole time, way through, you know. Yeah, and, and it's kind of... um this is this is going to be the first time for quite a while that you're actually that you're actually going to be able to get out and and, and full on tour the, yeah, the, yeah. the Exodus album. Well, as well, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. well, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. Let's not jump the gun. Yeah, I hope so. I can't wait. I mean, just doing the Bass Strikes Back tour in the in uh, Europe and the UK was phenomenal. I had never had so much fun. It was it was a blast. I can't wait to be back. Oh man, that was—I mean—that was an awesome night. That was, and it's just, just a you know, a, a great collection of bands, um, phenomenal performances. It, it was so much fun, um, and uh, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully you you, know, you guys are going to come back over here. But it, it's like everything, everything is just getting postponed, 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 <laughs> cancelled, yeah, yeah, postponed. No. And um and I you know I'm just I'm just wondering when we're actually going to hit a time where you know this shit doesn't get postponed. But I understand it. I mean we we played we played six dates as a four piece because uh, Paul, our guitarist, got COVID really bad. Yeah. Uh, and and all of a sudden shit like that makes you go right. Okay, if one of us gets COVID, then we got to cancel the dates. Yeah, so... that's why you know we postponed the tour here in the states. You know I we'd be like well into this tour almost to the end, but you know, we, we postpone it. Cause you know, for a few things, it gives Tom more time to be back a hundred percent. Tom's also immunocompromised still a little bit, you know? So yeah. it's also yeah. not necessarily the safest environment for Tom. And number two, we want to like to achieve some sense of normalcy and uh, be able to hang out with each other and not have to tour in a bubble, you know? And like, and um, we're hoping by the spring, you know, things will be back to normal and uh, the COVID rates would drop and and um, th- we could have the fun we're used to having, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, we, we, play, we played Bloodstock. It's outdoors. It was like there'd never been a pandemic. It was great. And everyone's got, because it's outdoors. And then and then when you go back to playing shows indoors, it's kind of like, yeah. it's not quite the same. Yeah. And, you know, basically also it came down to like, we made the choice to like not make money rather than possibly owe a lot of money. Yeah, there is. That is you know, definitely we're out on that. Tour and like I get COVID or Zetro does or Mark Osagueda or Chuck Billy or something. Yeah. And uh, the tour is over. Yeah. You know, we're, we can't sit there in some hotel in the middle of nowhere for 10 days. Basically, well, it, the tour is over. And uh, then we're sitting on a trailer full of merchandise for dates that are no longer accurate. Yeah. And uh, they're basically shop rags. Now you're selling them for (laughs) discounts for like, you know, just as souvenirs at that point. And, um, and uh, you end up like owing tons of money, you know, like bands like ourselves, you know, 
you know, we do okay on tour, but we make most of our take home money in those last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. you know, cause the first part of the tour for all of us is like paying off the tour itself. And then, yeah. all right, now we're like starting to make some money to take home. And if you lose those last couple of weeks, you know, you fucking going home broke or in debt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, without a doubt, if you're, if you're a, if you're a headline European band and you're doing kind of bricks in the canopy level down, if you, if you take on like a six week European tour and you get, you know, one of, one of, one or more than one member gets COVID, you, you're fucked. And essentially you can be end up bankrupt. Yeah. You're fucked. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, so we chose like, we're just all, I talked to Chuck and Chuck talked to Mark Osagueda and we all talked to each other and just said as bad as it sucks, it's best for us to wait. Yeah. 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 It has to be. The first time COVID affected Exodus negatively, you know, when, (laughs) uh, when we worked on the album, I mean, aside from getting sick, you know, when we uh, came home from the, european tour our goal was to work on an album we didn't have a summer festival tour booked we weren't going to we were going to make an album and then tom got cancer so you know we pushed the album back and um if everything had worked out in the end we'd be on tour right at the release of the record you know like you know perfect for the launch this was the first time it worked against us yeah yeah but but you know better better stay better stay you know stay home safe than like you say you know lose a shitload of money absolutely absolutely and it's and and also especially especially when there's more things to consider when it's not just your band you know there's a bunch there's there's a bunch of you you're all in it together you're all you're all a pull on that bill yeah yeah i mean you know and and will carroll you know he was on a ventilator from covid i got it really bad not hospitalization level but close to it you know i mean I lost 16 pounds in 11 days. I mean, I wish I could do that at will. <laughs> same thing. Same thing. I, happened vi- to Paul, yeah. I got a video shoot next week. Let me drop 10 pounds here. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. yeah I've got a, I've got a video shoot in uh, three weeks. Quick. Give me COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, <laughs> let me fucking summon some weight loss here. <laughs> you know, let me lose that belly. You know? Um, yeah. It was, it was shitty. Yeah, yeah, and but you've also but it's also given you time to do a lot of uh, a, a lot of work at home. I've been uh, I've been watching you. I've been watching you on Instagram. You've been um, you've been chopping trees and fucking all sorts. That's the that's the downside of living in the hills, man. <laughs> the work never fucking stops. I mean, I'm looking outside and like we had a little storm, and you know the amount of leaves when you're in the forest that you just got to like deal with, you know, and like get prepared for some burn piles you know <laughs> yeah yeah well well i was i was reading about the um i was reading about the tree you lost and, oh yeah um, and I, 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 exactly the same here you know a massive tree looked absolutely fine went over in a storm crushed a van nearly took out a house and then and and so it's like right we better check all of the trees and there's like two or three of them it was like yep they gotta go yeah. as well and mine fell with that it wasn't even a storm beautiful day out you know it was fucking wow spring, you know and just all of a sudden the sound i didn't recognize you know like Shit. cutting through air and um uh, i felt something and i looked out my window and all i saw was a tree <laughs> like Shit. wrecked well, the deck didn't wreck the house uh but i got it all fixed and yeah i had to remove some other possible threats you know 
Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's it. It's like if you if if you have one go over, if you get rid of the threats as well, it's like well, actually, that's a kind of positive thing because yeah. uh, yeah, you lose. Yeah. So, I mean, we we have a song on the last album we did. We had a song called um, "Within the Woods" on it, and um, producer Jace went out outside the studio and recorded some trees to get the to get some tree sounds, yeah. and um, uh, and the main tree fucking went down in a storm, just missed the studio. Wow. And it was just like, yeah, shit. If that had taken it out, that's like basically, right, that's, it's taken everything. It's taken yeah, the studio, it's, it's taken the album, you name it. It's fucking expensive living in a place like this, you know, because I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not that chainsaw adept, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I have so- a chainsaw. I have a really good one, but, you know, I kind of like try to stay away from fucking chainsaws. So I had some tree people come in and deal with it. And, you know, fucking cost me a fucking fortune. You know, like, I'm not working and and I'm spending thousands having these tra- trees removed. But one of them, if it fell, it was so big, it would have cut the house in half. Like, gone, gone. <laughs> yeah. uh, that is, yeah, that, that's an investment, isn't it? Not having yeah, the house yeah, cut yeah. enough. I mean, it's just what you got to do. But also, you know, I have the benefits. I have, you know, I've on this whole hill there's like five people who live on it and it's completely quiet and i'm surrounded by deer and wild turkey and hawks and lizards you know it's like awesome i love it yeah man especially in the summer the lizards are all around like cockroaches so rad (laughs) oh that's awesome man that is awesome well look um, i've I've got some um i've got some subscriber questions for you sure thing this is from uh, paul hutchings um, and Paul would like to ask, what did Gary learn from his time with Slayer? You know, I learned a lot about the production aspect of things. You know, I mean, you know, I was playing thrash metal. I've been playing thrash metal my whole life. Um, but what I learned really was just how like uh, a top flight operation like that operates and how it runs like smoothly like that. And uh, so, you know, I try to take some of that with me to Exodus. I mean, we're obviously, you know, not fucking traveling with semis full of shit but you know you learn how how to make the the tour run very smooth yeah that that last tour man that i was at the i was at the wembley show and i you know that was fucking phenomenal right up there with one of the best layer shows that it was you know, fucking, seen. it was uh something i'll never forget yeah yeah well believe you me so said everybody in the crowd yeah it was good man I walking walking away. I tell you what was weird because you won't have experienced this. Walking away from a Slayer show in virtual silence. It was like coming away from a mass funeral. Yeah, it you probably know. was. You know, I mean, yeah, certainly. I mean, me, me and my best friend. First time we saw Slayer together was like we must have been seventeen. And and we're walking away from that show, and we're both just kind of quiet. And he, and he just kind of says under his breath, "Like, I, I can't, I can't believe we're, can't believe we're no, never going to do this again." Yeah, yeah it's just very nuts. V- very, like if, if you look at the photo, our last photo we did together was on our way to the stage at the final show. We look like we're on our way to our own funeral. <laughs> we look very grim and like nervous, you know, and just. Like, you know, you could see it that there's the guys marching their own doom, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, like, like almost like sort of go, going over the top, you know, out the trenches and like, you know, this. Yeah, yeah. Up. We look like we're on the front lines getting off the boats in fucking Normandy, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cannot um, be in that one way in the back, you know. Absolutely. Well, you look, uh, look scared almost, you know. Uh, well, I'll, 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 I'll search that picture out and um, and I'll try and um, I'll try and add it to the uh, to the media for the uh, for the podcast. I know I posted um, it before on Instagram. Uh, it's there. I'll dig it out. I'll dig it out. Yeah. Um, uh, Paul With goes the on. caption that we look like we're going to our own funeral. <laughs> oh well, well that's that's kind of helpful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, he also goes on to say, "What motivates you to write after so many years on the merry-go-round?" I love writing riffs. Writing riffs, is what I do. I write riffs when I'm eighty. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I still I still love the sound of a crunchy guitar, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh and finally he'd like to know which current bands, if any, excite you. Which current bands excite me? Um, you know, I mean, rest in peace, Riley, power trips certainly excite me. You know, I'm cur- I'm eager to see where they go next, you know, it's such a tragic loss. Uh, you know there's a lot of bands like, you know, out there like lost society or super killer and the guitar player is insane. He's so good. Like, wow, that kid is fucking shredding. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, guitar players excite me. I mean, I love looking on Instagram and seeing 15 year old kids, 15 year old girls just ripping eight string guitar sugar riffs, you know, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. And it gives me hope for the future of heavy metal that there's a whole nother generation that is uh, embracing the guitar after I think it almost skipped a generation or two, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know what you mean. It's like, it's like, you know, seeing, seeing kids like pack, practicing their triplets and stuff like that. You're just like, oh, you're doing this is so cool. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Well, I've got a question from Mark Pensum. Um so 35, 35 odd years of coming up with sick riffs. If you had to put one out there to be in the thrash hall of fame entry for Gary Holt, which one would you pick? Main riff for impact is imminent. Still my favorite riff I've ever written to this day. I wow. wish I had it back. I wish I had it back. I mean, impact is imminent is an album that's got some of the best riffs we ever wrote. Scott, the album has its flaws. Um, timing was also not in its favor, but that riff yeah. is the, my favorite riff I've ever written. It's I've, string skipping, it's crushing, it's doing things no one was doing yet at that time. You know, that riff, it, it, like, and it's cool. I remember when I wrote it, Rick Hino looked at it and he's like, man, that riff's even cool watching someone play it because the hands look really good, you know? Sometimes <laughs> a heavy riff, your hand's not doing anything, but yeah, it's a badass riff and it's my favorite. That's, that's my what, number one riff I ever wrote. Well, thank you for that. And that's just reminded me that that's just reminded me. Kev, Kev and I turn, turned up in the studio when you were recording that. You came over to London, didn't you? No, that was for Force of Habit. Oh, shit. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. yeah Force of Habit, the Let's oh, Spend gosh. Everything album. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're on a we're on a major label. We have so much money to spend. Yeah, let's spend it all. Let's fly to England and ship all this equipment, half of it we didn't use, and yeah. and uh, let's live in a flat in England and give each other some per diem. I mean, it was fun, and you know, there's there's a lot of shit that I've grown to really appreciate on that album. But uh, it was a good time. We were like the house power drinkers at this uh, Australian pub called O'Henry's, and. Uh, it was right down the street from our flat and we spent like 
four weeks drinking in that place. <laughs> they must have really missed you when you left. They made us sweatshirts that said staff power drinker on it. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. Um, right. Well, next up, um, got some questions, uh, some questions from uh, Stephen Smith. He's got three questions. Um, and his first question is, what is Gary's after show routine? What does he do to take care of himself to wind down while, while the gig adrenaline is wearing off? Well, it used to be wind down with a couple of drinks, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. do that anymore. But, you know, I just, I don't have a great after show ritual, you know, after the show, I go and sit down, you know, have some dinner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah before, uh, before the show, I have way more rituals, you know, like, you know, I do a, a good deal of stretching. I have to, you know, my back and all that. I warm up for an hour straight, you know, so I've already put in a show before a show. Yeah. You know, and um, and just get prepared, get mentally psyched after the show. The work's done. I'm just you know sitting in a chair. You know, yeah, yeah. Out. Cool, cool. Um, his follow up question is, um, what books uh, do you read or TV shows do you watch um when you're on the road? Uh, when I'm on tour, you know, um, you know, I don't travel with a whole lot of books because you know just trying to travel light. You know, so um and I don't have a Kindle or any of that kind of shit. I need to get one, but I do tend to watch a lot of stupid ass reality TV. <laughs> so, so, so I've seen, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 90 day fiance, all the different versions, uh, real housewives of Beverly Hills. And I just sit and yell at the TV the whole time. You stupid fucking dumbass! you know, God, I hate you. I hate that one. You know, just, doing everything short of throwing stuff at the tv but you know i'll always uh, like download like my favorite movies you know because i know i'll go to sleep at 10 minutes in because yeah. i've seen them so many times it's kind of like my sleeping aid you know like braveheart it's like my favorite movie but i've seen it a thousand fucking times i know every word of dialogue if i can't sleep you know in the middle of the night in my bunk i'll throw braveheart on or gladiator and i'm i'm back asleep in 10 minutes so yeah yeah game of thrones you know stuff like that anything involving swords you know <laughs> cool um and his final question um uh do you ever have time to check out normal places that visit um uh, that, that people visit when they're in big, big cities like london paris etc i do i try to now i mean we don't ever have a lot of days off in exodus in Slayer, I had tons, but also during a great deal of my Slayer run, my back problems are really bad. And so I had to stay off my feet, you know, like, so, you know, I was playing several years of Slayer and just total agonizing pain with my back. You know, I've had three epidurals, you know, um, yeah. and, uh, you know, so I wouldn't go walk around because it hurt, you know, like being on my feet too much. You get the sciatica and your whole hip just aches. Yeah. And, uh, but over the last couple of years of Slayer, my, I had some really good, um, back years, you know, those last couple. So I try, you know, I, now that I'm older, I want to appreciate the things I never took the time to look at before. Cause I was nursing a hangover or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and also, I guess there's like, I mean, certainly the way I look at it is like, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever be back in this place. Yeah, exactly. I mean, God, when I was last on tour in Europe with Slayer and we were like flying around from show to show, sometimes you get off the bus and you have to fly because it's a long drive and you're like, God, I don't ever want to see another airport again. Now I'm like, please, I want to fly somewhere. I can't <laughs> wait. You know? 
I hate making videos, and I had so much fun making one this weekend because <laughs> I was with my bandmates. You know, it was like awesome. And also, it's it's some kind of normal, isn't it? It's something that it's like oh it, yeah, it was holy a little shit, taste of, little taste of normal. Yeah, yeah, it means a lot. It means a lot. Well, um, uh, I got a final question up here for from uh, Robert Osborne. And um, we've, we kind of covered this, but he's, he's got something to add. It's like, um, how are you coping without alcohol? Um, but also, do you think you, you're going to find it harder when you start going on tour? No, not at all. I mean, um, it doesn't mean I have a more solid willpower than anyone else, but I don't crave or feel any desire for alcohol. I'm a guy who, when he quits something, he just quits it and he's just done with it. And like, you know, I'm hanging out with the other bandmates and I had, had dinner twice over the weekend and Lee's having real beers and I'm having Heineken zero zeros. And I never like, mm, I want one of what he's got, you know, doesn't appeal to me anymore. Well, it, well especially if it's, it, you know, as you would, uh, as you were saying earlier, especially if it's, it's just becoming something that you don't enjoy. Yeah, exactly. I, it's a taste of beer that I like. And um, I found this really great, alcohol-free beers out there nowadays like really good you know that, and, um, that, that's awesome I, was there was there a was there a particular was there any particular incident or something that happened where you went right okay fuck it this is enough or was it i was just, just getting miserable just, at home just sitting there and going into dark places and making my wife a little bit miserable too because she was stuck here with me you know and uh just yeah, kind of like it was a wake up call of what might happen. You know, I wasn't an alcoholic, but it's like, what happens if I, the way I'm drinking now and I go out on tour? Because some days at home, I wouldn't drink at all. I wasn't drinking daily. Some days I'd have one beer, two beers. Some days I'd have 13. You right. know, some days I'd drink all the beer I had and then like, oh, look, some people left some White Claw here from the party. And I mocked <laughs> people who drink White Claw and I drank every last one of the White Claws too. And, uh, and then I wouldn't drink. Uh, then I'd quit. I'd, I wouldn't drink for, you know, a couple of weeks and then I'd fall right back into it. And I was more worried about the possibility of what was going to happen if I don't stop now it might yeah. become hard to stop. Yeah. Yeah. And so why wait till that stage and just, I mean, when we recorded the album, you know, like, you know, we work all day, but as soon as the work was done, I start popping beers and, uh, and uh, early in the recording and the gathering of the, to make the record tom hunting goes man your beer consumption is impressive like you know because i'd look absolutely normal and i'm just pounding beers down but i was also getting fat and fucking bloated looking and wasn't happy you know so i'm definitely a lot happier now and you know i want to want to be around for for my family yeah yeah absolutely and also it's kind of one of those things that when you when you hear it it's like it, it kind of sticks with you, doesn't it? Because it clearly has what Tom said yeah. has kind of stuck with you. Because it's like when you initially you think that's a compliment, and then it's like when it, it kind of sticks in your head, yeah. and actually, that's not a compliment. Yeah, I, I, I shouldn't be impressing people with, with how much alcohol I can consume. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's that's not impressive. <laughs> no, no, it's kind of bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, uh, at that time, I was so happy to be up writing music and stuff at night. You know, where it's it's summer, we're in the mountain, way in the mountains, and so yeah, we barbecue and drink beer and and um, but yeah, it it was time time to get off the ride. It's but that it sounds like such an idyllic way to record an album. I mean, it it sounds like ideal. 
I always say that uh, Queen, Deep Purple, they had Lake Geneva. We have Lake Almanor. <laughs> That's how those guys did albums. You know, they'd gather and build a studio yeah. in this, you know, beautiful fucking paradise and uh that's what we try to do you know and make it comfortable and fun summer camp yeah i and there's that word again fun which is yeah fun that's fun yeah that's what that's what it is it's like yeah it's a job everyone has jobs but if you can make your job fun and your job is fun then it feels like less of a job exactly Exactly. Well, look, man, I, it's been it's been awesome to chat. It's awesome to see you again. I'm My pleasure, so, man. I'm, I'm so glad to hear all of these positive developments in the Exodus camp and, and with yourself as well. It's it, it it's awesome. It really is awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. No worries, and, and congrats, congrats on the album. It's, I, I mean, it's like uh, when I first heard it, I was like, "Ooh, okay." I've heard the singles, but I wasn't expecting this. Yeah, like, you know, I mean, I, I love every song on the record, but uh, people go, wow, if this is like, you know, what the album's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so stoked. And I'd say, you ain't heard shit yet. Dude. <laughs> when, when you hear when you hear the title track, it's just a fucking sonic assault. It's just fucking take people down, you know. <laughs> oh, uh, without a doubt. The first time I heard that. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it's a face ripper. It's a face yeah, ripper. Sure. Uh, and um yeah it's, it's just it's just phenomenal man absolutely phenomenal really pleased for you and um i just Thank hope you get i just hope you get to tour it as soon as possible yeah i know i hope to see you soon i hope to see you soon man take care all right man take care i'll see you later see you dude bye-bye bye-bye it was very cool to catch up with gary again it really was um and yeah quite uh, we we got in depth there i hopefully there's some bits and pieces you heard there that you haven't heard on other interviews because i know gary's been doing a lot um but uh yeah there you go that's the, that is the talking bollocks one anyway um and this is pretty much it's nearly the last podcast of the year regular podcast of the year because i'm not going to put one out on fucking New Year's Day, okay? Give me a few days afterwards and I'll I'll drop one then. But I am going to be dropping um, some Christmas specials for you between now, um, so you've got something to listen to instead of your family, your children, other people's children, other people's family. Uh, just, you know, in general. Like I always do, there's going to be plenty to get your ears around at Christmas. So if you don't feel like signing up for uh, the Patreon, which is... <laughs> absolutely allowed um then please do um sign up at uh just go go to go to apple go to fucking itunes stick in a bloody review that'd be cool let someone know just tell somebody about the podcast that's never heard it before and say oh yeah no it's pretty cool and and that's fine that is brilliant okay you are the greatest asset that I have for this podcast. So please do let everybody that you know, know about the podcast. It's always a pleasure to be in your ears. Whatever the weather, whatever's going on in the world. And let's face it, there's been a fair amount of shit going on over this last couple of years. So um, I urge you to enjoy your festive break, whatever um, whatever religion, whatever cult you may follow, whatever. It's a time for excessive eating, excessive drinking, rowing with the family and uh, giving and receiving of shit gifts. But hey, 
it's a thing so i hope you enjoy it whatever you're doing um and let me be, be the first to wish you um uh greetings of the seasons even seasons greetings fucking hell my brain is broken today isn't it um it's been a pleasure i hope you've enjoyed it as always this is me signing off until next time see you later